You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We're glad to have you listening to America's Web Radio, and it is time now for Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm with our host, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Forsberg. Phil, how are you doing today? Phil, can you hear me? Are you there? I can hear you fine. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Good. I hope you're doing well as also. Well, I, quite frankly, I'd be doing weller if we could get some rain. But other than that, I, I can't make it rain. But, uh, yeah, we're doing fine and uh, looking forward, hopefully, to getting some rain. And I was just talking to uh, some folks out in uh, Texas, and uh, even they're expecting to maybe maybe get some rain out in west texas so we'd all be happy for that well i understand they've had a significant amount of rain in wyoming enough to close yellowstone park yeah i think uh that was a while ago wasn't it? a couple of weeks ago yeah a couple of weeks i guess you know you have to understand that there's a there's a delay The, the rain falls on the mountains and takes a little time for it to get on down well plus i think they're still experiencing a certain uh amount of uh thaw snow melt that uh probably raising the water table there quite a bit you know this is a good time to plug one of our uh uh interviews that we've done many times now and uh it's a great great product and it's great for the military as a matter of fact it's called Baggerbot, and it will fill 1,600 sandbags per hour. And when you get to the end of the line, they're all ready to go. You can use them, and they're sewed and ready to go. And that's uh, if you're if you're in touch with anybody in the uh, Corps of Engineers or in any military situation or civilian situation that uses sandbags. Tell them to uh, check us out, and it's called Bagger Bot, and it's uh, because it's uh, all you know, all robotic, and uh, you put the sand in one end, and the bag comes out the other end. And I think we've talked yeah. about it before, Phil. Yes, yes, I'm all about labor-saving uh, devices that. Uh, help out our troops uh and you know my experience with the national guard uh in emergency response uh they're probably pretty interested in something like that too well tell them about us (laughs) i will Uh, it it is an amazing machine and nobody uh has ever done anything exactly like it in the past so uh it is something else and uh we're very pleased to have their friendship and and working with them and doing uh, some interviews with us about their equipment and you know they can do. I didn't realize this at all. I, they've given me an education on on bags and sandbags, but uh, there's different mixtures that you use for different circumstances, and uh, depending on what that circumstance is, it may be. Uh, it may be sand, or it may be gravel, or it may be this, or it may be that. And uh, they all stack differently, and they can be used. Sandbags can even be used 
uh, 2000 and you can have a pretty good size house built for you in literally a couple of days and uh, it's amazing what they're doing now and uh, they have they've got me up to date on the sandbag business it seems to me on a few military installations i've seen uh sandbag walls that were actually constructed from uh sandbags filled with concrete Mm -hmm. and left to set Mm -hmm. and uh they last uh after the bag erodes away the the concrete form-fitted concrete blocks stay right there makes a pretty good wall yes sir and uh they're just all you know (laughs) i'm amazed at uh technology and i'm also amazed at and I, I have uh, I haven't met the guy, but I've talked to him on the phone that came up with this uh, bagger bot, and uh, you know, I guess he's just like all the rest of us. You go to bed one night and you're thinking about something, and the next morning you get out that sheet of paper and start drawing it out, and you know, two years later, three years later, you got the bagger bot, and. Uh, I'm amazed at people that uh, ingenious and come up with these ideas and power to them. We, because of them, we have the greatest country in the world. We do. <clears throat> we have a lot of uh, really excellent things that come out of uh, inventions here, despite the fact that uh, I'm told in 1914 they were looking to close the patent office because everything had been invented. <laughs> I I hadn't heard that, but I I can see us doing that. Was was Biden president then? No. No, he was just a young man then. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Wasn't sure, but um no, it's it's uh you know the the sad part about that is and I know you'll attest to this as well is that with all of our great inventions and all of our abilities, we haven't invented something that, that will do away with wars or conflicts. And we keep building bigger and better ways to kill our our other humans, you know. And that's uh, it's sad, but maybe one of these days we'll figure it out. Yeah, and you know, those those who have seen warfare um, are the ones who know the best. Not uh, that it's uh, that it's not a light endeavor. It's something that uh, you should only do if, if the stakes are are really significant. You know, this is so true on so many places today, particularly today. And, uh, you know, if you hadn't been there and done that, then I don't know that you really have a position to talk about anything. And uh, it's, uh, we we just briefly skirted it. And uh, I want to get into it a little bit deeper just from the standpoint that, I'm I'm curious about what your thoughts are from the military standpoint, and this is the uh, 
decision of the Supreme Court and on abortions. And, you know, I this is just my personal thing, strictly my personal thing. But I've never been that gun-ho about women in the military as far as particularly in front line, particularly on closed quarters like submarines or ships. And, you know, we're all humans, and and it's human nature. And I don't know, what is it? Do you know offhand what the military standpoint is on abortions? Is that, in fact, when I was in, I would have considered that being that you've damaged military property and, uh, you know, you'll pay for it. Well, um, so many things that used to be in the social uh, conscience have uh, been eroded since, uh, well, certainly since I started in the military, but but since I've retired. um, Just as I retired, they were doing away with don't ask, don't tell, and they were... um, they were looking at, uh, you know, open homosexual relationships were going to be okay. And uh, that's about where I left. Today, we have a four-star admiral that uh, is a man that wears a dress. Um, and <clears throat> they're celebrating it at the White House. So, I, you know, I can't tell you what exactly... Um, uh, you know, what what their position on it? They probably celebrate abortion uh, in the military, and uh, I know there were quite a few army physicians that I knew that were uh, opposed to being required to do it and wouldn't do it out of conscience. I'm sure they're suffering persecution now for that stance. <clears throat> so it's a, it's a sad thing. And you look at the uh, the decision that the Supreme Court made was a long time in coming, really. Um, the whole decision that was made in 1973 uh, was on such shaky ground, it wasn't really a decision based in law, it was a decision based in politics. And uh, we finally developed enough of a backbone to uh, point that out. And and of course their decision did not outlaw abortion. Would that it had, but in fact uh, their decision said that that our national government does not have the authority to uh, tell states they can't regulate abortion to include prohibit it. And with the system of federalism that we have enshrined in our Constitution, and there are members of the House of Representatives that uh, are calling for open insurrection against our national government. In fact, I heard one um, say outright, to hell with the Supreme Court. Now, the Supreme Court is... The judiciary is the, is the third uh, 
article of uh, our Constitution. Uh, our Constitution establishes our republic, and <clears throat> the uh, every uh, every justice of the federal court and every member of the House, every member of the Senate, the President, the Vice President, and every officer and every enlisted man in our armed forces swears an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And when somebody uh, makes such a declaration against the Supreme Court, um, it uh, sounds like a violation of that oath. Oh, no question. You know, the other thing, uh, Phil, that that I, I look at is the fact that we have the laws. We don't need more laws. We just need to enforce, and the DAs and everybody else involved from the police arresting to the DAs getting them sentenced, the laws are there. Let's just use them. Yeah, of course. And, and if the laws are imperfect, then legislators need to work on, on perfecting the law. And That's right. Not uh, castigating the law enforcement officers who are simply outpaid and empowered to enforce the laws that were duly passed. Well, on that note, let's take our first break. We'll be back with Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Forsberg right after this. Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio. Or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall. And we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. Stacey Abrams wants to be our next governor, but listen to what she had to say about Georgia. I am tired of hearing about being the best state in the country to do business when we are the worst state in the country to live. We are the worst state in the country to live. We are the worst state in the country to live. Abrams will destroy Georgia with her socialist policies. Vote for Brian Kemp. And we do endorse uh, Brian Kemp for governor and... It would be disastrous to have someone like Stacey Abrams, who has come out 
pro-choice as well. And um, we just can't afford to have that lady. She should be uh, kept in her box and only let out for food and air. But anyway, with that being said, you're listening to America's Web Radio, and we do appreciate it. And we do appreciate all of our patrons that give to keep us on the air. And like our programming, we have some of the most unique programming going, just like Remembering Desert Storm and Desert Shield, also the Doctor's Lounge, also the Classic Car Show, and on and on and on. And we do appreciate the folks, every everyone from my church to many other churches, and they know how we feel. We're pro-life. We're pro-Brian Kemp, and we're pro-Herschel Walker at this point. So, with that being said, let's get back to remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm with our host, Philip Forsberg, Lieutenant Colonel, retired. Phil, back to you. Well, thank you, David. Uh, you know, just a, a word on uh, on Stacy Abrams and her uh, commercials. Uh, first thing, if if she really thinks Georgia is a, a bad place to live, I would invite her to visit any of the other forty nine states and take up residence. Uh, <clears throat> secondly. She's running a uh, an ad against uh, our governor, Governor Brian Kemp, for his uh, law that he signed it, the bill that he signed into law that uh, did away with the necessity to have a uh, concealed carry permit. Um, <clears throat> I think they call it constitutional carry, and the you know the idea is that it's one of your rights and it's not. It's not regulated by our state, um, and they they run an ad. And you need to listen closely to the ad you hear on the radio because it it says uh, the fella comes on and he says, "My name's Dennis, and I'm, for, I'm a former sheriff's deputy." Well, those those credentials mean nothing to me. But he goes on and on about how um, the. Uh, the, the the new law, or the new freedoms that were granted under the law, are going to put uh, guns in the hands of criminals. And of course, the whole point of that law is to have more um, freedom uh, for the law-abiding citizens. And uh, guns are already in the hands of criminals. And um, and he purports to speak for all law enforcement. And I know for a fact that uh, most law enforcement officers that I'm that I know that I deal with on a daily basis um, do not uh, look uh, at the law as some threat to themselves. They they carry firearms to protect themselves, and they understand why law-abiding citizens would also carry firearms to protect themselves. Because you know, when trouble, <clears throat> when when seconds count, the police are only minutes away. And um, you've got to be you know, your own be best first we responder. We can't afford to have a police force that's ubiquitous. You know, people have to be able to protect themselves. 
The you, criminals already have guns. And like I said, you have to be able to be your own first responder. And, uh, you know, I'm afraid with the situation of our economy, particularly it's going to start with more and more of if you park your car out on the street or park it on a parking lot at night or even in your driveway at night and you don't have any kind of alarm system or motion detector, you're going to be hit by the bad guys drilling a hole in your gas tank not with an electric girl. They finally figured that out, that that would spark and blow them up. But they'll do it with a hand drill, drain your tank, and then uh, you'll be embarrassed in the morning when you come out and you have no gas to start your car with. Now, if the economy continues, and I don't see it changing for any reason, not only will, be, will the bad guys be stealing your gas... They're going to be robbing your house, and they're going to be going after food and anything else. And at that point, you have to have self-protection. Just like Phil said, when seconds count, police are only, if if they're funded, they're only minutes away. And I just, I can't fathom any person, and that includes Stacey Abrams, getting up and saying, that we should defund the police. Uh, You know, Phil, I I tell you, I've got to get on my soapbox for one second. This is like everything else. You know, the ones that have never done it, they're the ones that are throwing the biggest rocks at police, defund the police, do this, do that. And the same way with this abortion issue, there is nothing more grotesque and deplorable than an abortion. And... I think we should start a rule that you can't open your mouth about a subject, be it guns, be it abortions, be it funding a police or anything else, until you've put yourself in that exposure. I don't think anybody that's pre-choice should have a voice, should be able to say anything until they have been in the room and witnessed an abortion most grotesque thing you can imagine. And the second one is defunding the police. I'd like to see the person that wants to defund the police out there at 2 or 3 o'clock, pitch black, crawling into a warehouse where an alarm has gone off. You can't see anything, but if you turn your flashlight on, guess what? The bad guy can see you. So, you know... People are people easily talk, but very seldom do they perform. And do they? It's like like being against our military. Until you've been there, done that, keep your damn mouth shut. And you know, I'm I'm all for everybody. I'm all for freedom of speech, obviously, or I wouldn't be in this business. But I've been there and done that in most cases that I talk about. And I think everybody, before you speak, you should wear my moxicans for a mile and see what it's like. Well, David, um, the the, the Supreme Court had another decision uh, last week uh, that regarded um, 
the ability of the states to uh, regulate gun ownership and gun possession. And uh, it uh, overturned a law that had been passed in New York State in 1911. And I can recall that I, <clears throat> I grew up on Long Island in New York. And when I was 18, I was interested in, you know, going to a gun shop and, you know, looking at these things. And I didn't have the money to buy one, but I just wanted to handle one, take a look at it. And so I asked the clerk if I could uh, see such and such a pistol. And he said, I can't show it to you unless you can show me that you have a permit to have one and uh, I said well how would I get that he said well you have to fill out the forms you know and, and let the, the police decide and I thought oh come to find out it's very 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 difficult in most parts of New York State to get that permission in uh, in in the five boroughs of New York you either have to be a, a law enforcement officer, a politician, or um, a part of organized crime to get that permit. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, they, yeah, they they turned that over and said, no, that you see, that's a right that's enshrined in the Constitution. You have to understand, the Constitution is a list. It, first of all, it says that the uh, it says how our government is to be constituted. That's why it's called the Constitution. But the Ninth and Tenth Amendments basically say, look, this is not <clears throat> anything that's not specifically given as a right to the government, a power to the government. You know, is reserved for the states and the people, respectively. And the reason it says the states and the people respectively is there was supposed to be a system of federalism where the states had a degree of sovereignty and they cooperated together in a federation for our national government. And the, the right to keep and bear arms was a right that was enumerated to the people and the, the right to, or the power to restrict that was not given to the um, to the national government or to the to the uh, state, and so uh, it, likewise, you know, on abortion, the the court said in 1973 Roe versus Wade they found what they called a penumbra, which is like a hidden meaning of uh, this right to an abortion somewhere uh, in one of the amendments they couldn't specify exactly where it was but it was basically something to do with privacy and uh, this uh, this right does not exist it's not enshrined in the constitution so the states have that power to regulate it that's all that's all that uh, the decision that came out last week said that the the states do have the power to regulate it. But let me ask, Phil, did you hear the uh, what came out today? No, I did not. Oh, the most important, in my opinion, or one of the most important, was that they sided with the coach and that he had every right to take a knee and say a prayer 
any time after, before, after, or whenever during the game. And that was a, as far as I'm concerned, that's one of the biggest victories for religion and for our freedoms that the Supreme Court has come down with. Well, Ray Charles could have seen that one. Yeah. I mean, if, if you read the, the First Amendment, freedom it, of speech, it says that Congress shall make no law establishing an, a religion or uh, preventing the free exercise of it. And so, really, uh, I don't know where a school district gets uh, feels that they have the right to fire a guy for the free exercise of his faith. Uh, it has nothing to do with Congress. Has nothing to do with a law that was passed. Uh, this is one of the enumerated uh, freedoms, rights that we have that we can exercise our religion. You know, and you know, uh, I, th- I think there's a big once again. That's just. So- setting something right. I think there's a big difference in people thinking right and privilege. And uh, the Constitution sets out our rights. That means that we have the right to do it. We have the right to bear arms. And, you know, without infringement. With that, we've got to take our last break, and uh, we'll be back with Lieutenant Colonel Farsberg right after this. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. Stacey Abrams wants to be our next governor, but listen to what she had to say about Georgia. I am tired of hearing about being the best state in the country to do business when we are the worst state in the country to live. We are the worst state in the country to live. We are the worst state in the country to live. Abrams will destroy Georgia with her socialist policies. Vote for Brian Kemp. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now it's time to get back to remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And with our host, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Forsberg. And, you know, Phil, I, I've got to ask you, because you're, you're such a, a great historian and, and uh, so knowledgeable, do you ever bring your nose out of the book, and when you're, or do you just read constantly? Now, I, you can answer that lady later. What I'd like to know, though, is where do you think we're going with all of these different, you know, like I, I find it appalling that anybody would riot or cause a riot over the abortion issue and 
you know, I have no respect for those that have done that and are doing it. And uh, from what I understand, could conceivably be worse this weekend. And I just, I find that just very upsetting that, and, and the threat to our judges. We have the laws. Folks, let's enforce them. Phil, how do you feel about that? Well, David, I, I can't, you know, I can't predict what's going to happen this weekend, but I, I can predict that uh, the one who troubles his own house will inherit the wind. Uh, and, and we understand that. Um, we, uh, we have people that uh, don't want to follow our Constitution uh, that have sworn to uh, support and defend the Constitution. So I think uh, people need to start uh, holding those who've made those oaths accountable, and uh, they need to be uh, thrown out of office. Um, I think that uh, where we really... of the 17th Amendment. Um, the 17th Amendment took away the uh, sovereignty of the states in uh, selecting their senators and gave it to the people. Uh, and, of course, our founding fathers didn't want that because they were concerned about a democracy, which you hear so much about these days, um, and they worried about the... Uh, the danger of a democracy is when people realize they can uh, vote themselves all sorts of uh, largesse, uh, it'll collapse the government. And um, so it, it creates uh, an invitation to pandering for uh, elected representatives. The, uh, the Senate was supposed to be a uh, safeguard against pandering because they were to be there to do the bidding of the states. That's why each state, by virtue of statehood, would get two senators. Um, and the, the, the dem dem more democratic um, chamber was to be the House of Representatives. That's why it's called the People's House. And it was to represent the will of the people and then the Senate was to represent the will of the states. And so what they wanted to do was make sure that it wasn't uh, easy for forces uh, opposed to our freedoms to take over our government uh, by pandering to the people. Phil, you, you've sort of led into... I, I had a question for you a moment ago, and... Quite frankly, my age caught up with me, and I lost my train of thought. But I got it back. It was it was a short track. But um, what you're saying brings about, and you, you can more clearly state this because you are a historian, those that fail to study and, and look at history are doomed to repeat it, correct? Uh, 
Yeah. And I think this uh, is I think this is part of what's going on right now, is that uh, we have not had the history put in front of us like we used to, and we are beginning to fail as a country because of that. Would this be sort of correct? Uh, I won't say we've failed or we are failing. What I'm saying is that uh, there's danger there that was uh, was recognized by the founding fathers, and it was there then and it's there now, and we have to guard against it. Uh, and speaking of voting, um, you know, veterans and those in our armed forces currently serving have... Um, have pledged their lives and uh, they have uh, borne the battle and done the difficult task of preserving our republic and our freedoms and uh, you know I would not tell people that it's their civic duty to vote Um, it is their right to vote Uh, it's also uh, I would say it's more their duty to be informed rather than to vote if they feel that they're informed then by all means they should vote but uh, our veterans absolutely need to vote they need to not be complacent and uh, unfortunately we had a very low turnout uh, for the the primaries this year in Georgia and there's a lot at stake and I really honestly hope that it does not portend a poor turnout for the general election I agree totally and you know there's only so much one person can do and you know this is something that uh, we we work closely with a company called redovoting.com and uh, this their format assures the voter that their vote will count and there's not going to be any shenanigans with it if it's if that software is used by a local city, state, federal government, there will be no shenanigans. They can't they can't produce a shenanigan that this software won't catch. And I think that a person has to realize and I don't know about you, Phil, but ever since I was eighteen and got to vote my first time, I my chest swells a little bit as I'm as I'm walking into the to the voting area and I I'm proud to show my driver's license, I'm proud to show my ID and I'm proud to take the little sticker you voted, you know? Uh, because I can't do everything to fulfill my civic duty, but I think one of the easiest things working towards that is voting. And uh, you and I may may cancel each other's votes out, but the important thing is that we voted and expressed our personal opinions. Yeah. Uh, And I think that veterans especially need to make sure that they vote it's a right that uh, we have because people 
uh, die to protect and to enshrine these freedoms, and uh, we need to not take it lightly. And we need to not um, underestimate the, the power of uh, evil men and women who do uh, harm to our republic, because they're out there, I can tell you, I've seen them. Oh, no question. And uh, they're becoming more obvious and more blatant in their acts almost daily. And this is something that, uh, as a nation, we have to be prepared for and not put up with, you know. And it's... It's not just in one area. They're doing a heck of a job in education, in medicine, pharmaceuticals, in our oil, in our supposed oil shortage, which is is not true. And I don't think these progressives or the left wing could tell the truth if it ran over them. And they're lying like rugs. And they're all over the country. And don't think, and I know you don't, but don't think they're not coming in by the hordes across our southern border. I was talking to a good Texas friend of mine uh, la- night before last, I guess it was. And uh, he told me, and, and he's been in law enforcement, and he told me, he said, you know, the United States isn't getting but just a very, very minimal amount of the truth of what's going on at our southern borders. And if it doesn't stop, it's just going to expand into an unde- uncontrollable and unbelievable crisis, not just in the border states, but across the country. And he said, we have something to fear, and we need to stop it now and quit messing around with it and recognize that our government is letting us down. They're not protecting us like they're, like they're sworn to do, just like you said. You raise your hand, I raise my hand to protect and defend against all foreign and domestic. So this is something that everybody has to take into consideration and look at standing up you know if you don't stand for something you'll fall for anything and that's exactly where we are right now we're falling for any and everything that the bimbo in the white house is telling us yes and uh, you know i just want to add just a hair of correction to you but the difference with a distinction the uh, the oath calls for us to support and defend the Constitution, not protect and defend the Constitution, which are the same thing. Those are a difference without a distinction. Um, so the idea of supporting the Constitution means you don't advocate that it should be different than it is. You support it as it is. And uh, if it needs to be changed... It can be changed by uh, a plurality of states ratifying a change, but until it's changed, it's not—it's not to be trifled with. It's not to be opposed. 
should be supported. I had uh, one of our doctors was in doing the doctor's lounge the other day, and uh, we were talking about the Constitution, and I held one up, and I, I said, uh, you know, Scott, I, I, I'm going to challenge your your medical abilities right now. And he looked at me, and I said, even though you're not wearing a, a stethoscope at the moment, can you answer me this question? Is this document breathing? And, you know, these people that say, oh, the Constitution is a living document. No, it's black and white print. And we, I accept it as it is written, not as I want it to be written or not as, as I think it should be written or you think it should be written. It has lasted for 200-plus years, and it's not breathing. It's a document to be to abide by, and it is a document, not a living organ. So uh, I would always challenge someone if they say uh, to protect and defend the Constitution. No, it's just to support and defend the Constitution. And uh, implicit in that is to obey the Constitution. And those who want to change the meaning of these things uh, need to be challenged. It's support and defend the Constitution. And those words were chosen for a very specific reason. And I will tell you also, David, about the Constitution. It's not a very large document. No. Uh, and <clears throat> it's not uh, legalese like uh, the uh, Affordable Care Act, which is uh, thousands of pages of uh, stuff written by insurance lawyers. Uh, it is a very simple document, only a few pages, and it's very clear-cut, and it lays things out, how our government is to be constituted. And, uh, of course, the Bill of Rights, the first ten amendments, you know, are there to uh, put limits on our national government. And so I, would, uh, I will tell you that I flew, every mission I flew in Desert Storm with a copy of that constitution in my pocket of my flight suit. And I would highly encourage uh, every listener to just go online. If you can't find it, go to archives.gov and you can find a copy of our constitution, the text, and you can read it for yourself. And it'll tell you everything, uh, how our government's supposed to work. It's not complicated. And I apologize to you for saying protect instead of support. Uh, it's just been a long time since I took the oath, but you're correct as always, and uh, I will certainly note that whenever I say it again. Well, I've heard uh, not to lump you in the same boat, but uh, I've heard Nancy Pelosi say repeatedly, protect and defend the Constitution. Well, I hope you're not comparing me to Pelosi. I'm trying not to do uh, that. That would be a major insult. But, with that being said... Pardon? I, it's not my goal to insult you. Quite the opposite. But, you know, uh, in supporting... 
that, like you said, in supporting the Constitution, many times our military is called to protect it as well. And, uh, you know, we may support it, but will the military is not going to let somebody take over our country and change the Constitution. And that's why we have the greatest military in the world. And they all support and will defend and protect the Constitution. And, you know, I, I think some people get or misunderstand a lot of times that, uh, you know, they, we, get, we get the snow job from Washington, D.C. and our people that are in office that have been elected by us and when I you know elected and hired are two different words but in some ways they're synonymous when we elect somebody we hire them to represent us and we haven't been getting that representation like we should and uh, you know I respect you, and I keep a, a copy of the Constitution both in my studio and in my office. And, you know, I think that our representatives should be required to read the Constitution at least once a month, if not once a week. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I try to read it at least once a month. And it's, it's a short read. Like you said, it's not a long document at all. But I'm always, it's sort of like reading the Bible in a sense in that you always find something new that you, you've probably read a dozen times before, but it just didn't strike you when you read it the first time or third time or twelfth time, you know, until now, and it strikes you. And, and I just marvel at our founding fathers, they uh, they were brilliant, beyond brilliant. And uh, I can't imagine anything more exciting than to be in Philadelphia as they were pinning the Constitution. That, that had to be the most interesting days of the United States of America. I agree. You know... Uh Back on your note about uh, the uh, decision on uh, freedom of religion from the, that came from the Supreme Court, uh, and I'll relate this to Desert Storm. <clears throat> we, uh, you know, there's a saying: there are no atheists in foxholes, and um, I can recall a number of times. With uh, as the as the war was uh, coming to uh, a head, and uh, the, the tensions were coming to a head, and, and warfare seemed inevitable, and of course it was. That uh, myself and a few other believers uh, got down on our knees in the sand of the Saudi desert and uh, implored our God to. Uh, protect our troops and uh, to guide the uh, accuracy of our weapons and uh, and to bring us home safely to our families. My unit lost no one 
uh, and uh, less than a hundred combat deaths uh, in the half a million troops that we sent over there. Okay. I'll take that as a, an affirmative answer to prayer. You know, those are kinds of facts that a lot of folks need to hear, and I'm glad you brought it up, Phil. Um, the power of prayer and the and the power of right uh, makes a whole lot of difference too. And uh, I think this is going to be displayed in our near future. And uh, I appreciate you saying that. I think that uh, you know there's there's a lesson, a big lesson to be learned there. And uh, you know, like you like you said, there are no atheists in foxholes. And, uh, and thankfully, you know, I wasn't uh, working for a school district there. They would have had one less pilot because they would have fired me on the brink of war uh, for getting down on my knees, imploring the protection of our God. Well, you know, I, again, I, I go back to the quote of, if you don't study history, you're doomed to repeat it, you know? And... I think this has been overshadowed, overlooked, uh, misrepresented, or whatever you want to state about the building of our country, the building of our Constitution. And certainly our founding fathers, you ought to know this, being the historian you are, how many times was God referenced in the in the uh, writing of the Declaration of Independence and then the writing of the Constitution, either verbally or just verbally or literally by pen? Well, uh, a number of times in the Declaration of Independence, uh, there is reference to him as creator and uh, providence. Uh, but in our Constitution, um, I will tell you that uh, at the very is no real mention of God except at the very end, where it says right in the Constitution, in the text of the Constitution, in the year of our Lord, 1787, I believe, uh, and that's to indicate the uh, the what the Latin uh, anodium, right, uh, the year of our Lord or the, the year of our God, and that is uh, uh, you know that it refers to the birth of Christ, indicating that Jesus Christ is our Lord. That's in our Constitution, and I I believe in in looking back at my feeble mind remembering, but that if you read some of the I don't want to say arguments, but discussions that were going on in the writing of uh, the Constitution that there was reference to God. May God uh, lead us to write the, you know, the correct things or whatever, but I believe there are references in some books of whether it was 
Jefferson or someone saying that or praying that they had guidance in writing the Constitution. And, well, I think they recognized that everybody had a little bit of different uh, theology. Certainly, uh, I would consider Thomas Jefferson uh, theologically to be a heretic, but uh, the uh, they did not want a uh, a faith based government. True, uh, because then then you have the government uh, acting in the name of God and imploring people's uh, obedience and if, uh, by obeying the edicts of this government they were obeying God which is not always the case sometimes our government uh, has us doing things in uh, in opposition to what God would have us do well it's sort of like the thing of of uh Many people think that, which is not true at all, it was the, the, the separation of state and our government and uh, religion, and there's no reference to that. It was a letter written to uh, Jefferson by a lady that, the, I believe it was a lady, that was ha- having an argument with her church, and Jefferson wrote back and said, you know, work it out within your church that's not a position for the government to take and uh, you know there's no reference to uh, really to church and state in the constitution to my knowledge and uh, and yet I think there there are many references to as they were writing the constitution to ask for guidance in writing it that it would be that they would write the right thing and they did. It's, it's a. The Constitution to me is just, it's just beyond words. It's, uh, it's, it's incredible. I think we're out of time, David. You're right. We are. Well, we had a good time doing it, didn't we? So. Yes, sir. We'll be ne- back next week with, uh, remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And uh, Philip, as always, thank you, and thank you for reminding me what time it was. Or is. Okay. Take care, David. Yes, sir. Bye. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.